In this episode, we talk about how perception holds you back. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share research-based strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in today's episode, I want to talk about perception, how others perceive you and how you perceive others, and the role that this might be playing in how much progress you're able to make, how valuable your improvement in your self-help actually is on the other end. As human beings, we tend to treat people differently based on how we perceive them and what preconceived notions fit into that perception. So for example, if you went to a good school, let's say you went to a Harvard or a Brown University or Cornell or or something like that, if you went to a good school, you tend to be viewed a little bit differently than someone who maybe went to community college. Now, that judgment might be wrong or right. We don't actually know because we're not even really looking at the individual and their ability to do whatever the task is. We just have a preconceived understanding of the types of people that are produced at a Harvard or a Cornell versus the types of people that are produced at a community college. And again, those perceptions are most likely incorrect. It typically comes down to the individual. But as a society, we need to create these shortcuts in order to make decisions quickly and be able to navigate all of the complex situations we find ourselves in on a day-to-day basis. But this can present problems at work or in relationships where the other person is treating us differently than they do Others, we maybe get passed over for opportunities because that preconceived notion is there. The other side assumes we won't be able to handle whatever the task is, and so they pass on us, and they go with somebody who fits the the mold that they are looking for. And in my world, I've been spending a lot more time in the startup world as I develop my app, and That's something that plays a massive role there as well. The majority of fundraising, of of, uh, money that comes from investors to startups goes to people who fit a particular mold. And this typically is they come from some kind of Ivy League. They've worked at some major company. Think Facebook, Amazon, Google. And this makes sense when you really think about it. You can't blame the other side for having these informal rules for themselves. Because if an investor is putting in X number of dollars and they have seen that over the course of the last 100 investments, 80% of the successful ones came from these, like hit these criteria, they're, of course, going to lean towards looking for those criteria. So it's this weird self-reinforcing problem that creates a lot of issues in personal lives, creates a lot of issues in our work lives, and our career, and ultimately might be holding us back in major ways. And when we get back, I want to talk about why this happens, and most importantly, what we can do about it. So stay tuned. 
Support for this episode comes from BetterHelp. I've been a vocal advocate for therapy, and I've been in and out of therapy myself for the last four or five years. Honestly, it's been an incredibly helpful experience for everything from anxiety, depression, and dealing with grief when my father passed away. And it's even helped with issues like lack of motivation or inability to sleep properly. But therapy can be expensive, And honestly, it can be difficult to navigate. Finding the right therapist, asking the right questions, and feeling comfortable enough to share what's going on for you, they're all ridiculously important when it comes to getting value from it. But they're difficult to do. So how do we go about it? Well, that's why I personally use and recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. You download the BetterHelp app, you create an account, fill in a few details about yourself and what you're looking for, then in as little as a few hours, you're matched with a therapist who specializes in the things you personally need. All therapists are licensed, accredited professionals, and BetterHelp allows you to connect with them in a safe and private online environment in any way you want, whether that's phone video, or text message. So head over to betterhelp.com slash tiny leaps today to get 10% off your first month of support. That's betterhelp.com slash tiny leaps to get 10% off your first month of support. Betterhelp.com slash tiny leaps or click the link in the description of this episode. So why does this happen? Well, the main thing that we need to think about here is something called cognitive biases. Now, a cognitive bias is something that we lean towards. It's a particular pattern of thinking that we lean towards when faced with similar circumstances. Here is the official definition. Quote, a cognitive bias is a pattern of deviation in judgment, whereby inferences about other people and situations are based on inaccurate or distorted information. Now, this is a key insight about how we make decisions. We rely a dramatic amount on shortcuts. We cannot possibly process all of the information and all of the data that we are taking in all day, every day. Of course, our brain is consuming it. It's all going in there. But we're only really able to to focus on and deal with a very small percentage. So in order to navigate the rest of life, we've developed shortcuts. And these shortcuts are paths to decisions that typically make sense. These things are going to lead us in the right direction. The problem is whatever percentage where we are making errors as a result of those shortcuts. And this has gotten worse over time because life has gotten more and more complicated. You see, back when we were more of a hunter-gatherer society, if we heard a specific noise, we could develop a shortcut to know that specific noise means danger. We may not know what animal it is. We may not know what exactly is going to happen. But we know when we hear that, there is a high likelihood that we're going to be in danger. And so when we hear it, we need to pack up and move ASAP. We could make that shortcut and be right most of the time. But in a modern society where most of the time danger is not actually around the corner, those shortcuts tend to fail us. We see something or hear something and we react with the same type of shortcut that we did way back when it was more valuable. But now the path to decision making that that shortcut creates 
more often than not is actually incorrect. We see someone of a particular race, let's say, and we have a set of biases and understandings about what that person might be like based on either people we've seen in the past or based on the images that we've seen in media as we grew up. And we make those assumptions. We may not do it consciously, but that's why it's called a cognitive bias. We make those assumptions almost instantaneously because we need to categorize what it is that we're seeing and where this person fits in. Now, when done well, this can save our lives. If we see somebody who is wearing a ski mask and carrying a weapon and we happen to be inside of a bank, we can make a shortcut to think that person might be robbing the bank. Like, that's a pretty easy shortcut to make that is likely to be right in that situation. But if we see a person of another race or another culture, and we tend to have specific biases towards that race or culture based on the media we've consumed and the news that we've consumed over the course of the years, then we may make an assumption about that person that is completely incorrect and completely inappropriate. But we do it instantly, and it's difficult to control. So this is how perception creates judgment about the people around us and how other people's perception of us creates judgment about who we are. And this can become a massive problem, both in the workplace and in our personal lives, but of course in the larger context of living together in a society. We have to live with each other. And so if we're constantly making judgments about everyone around us based on nothing related to that individual person, and their actions, then we're going to find ourselves consistently put into situations where we are stopping ourselves from meeting somebody interesting or stopping that person from getting something that they deserve and, and should get. Now, here's how this plays out in the workplace. I told you before how in the startup investment landscape, many investors tend to lean towards people who fit a certain number of criteria that they've had success with in the past. Now, how this plays out is that they are not looking at companies and saying, I'm only going to invest in white companies or in male-led companies. What they are doing is looking at companies and saying, I want strong technical talent, so strong programmers and developers. I want people that have gone to Harvard or have gone to any of the other Ivies. I want people that have worked at massive, massive organizations like, like Facebook, Google, Apple. And when you go through this filtration process because of other societal issues that have kept back other populations from being in those environments at a large scale, you end up primarily funding male founders, especially white male founders. And this happens with employers as well. If you are looking for a certain set of skills and a certain set of requirements as far as where they went and you value these things higher than those things, you may not be sitting there saying, oh, I only want to hire a white guy, but you end up only hiring white guys because they are more likely to fit that criteria. And with promotions, you end up only promoting white guys because they're more likely to fit whatever criteria you are promoting based on. 
And in personal relationships, we end up having disconnects with our, our partners and our friends because we have assumptions about who they are and who they could be. Additionally, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. This is a weird phenomenon to me. When you look at photos of groups of friends, they tend to be very homogenous. For whatever reason, as groups, we end up navigating towards people that we know and people that we feel the most comfortable with. And so we have all of these biases that filter out other groups and therefore we're never exposed to those groups' perspectives. So how do we fix this? How do we approach this differently so that we can start to gain more for ourselves and give more to others without the fear of this bias playing a role? Well, the first step is actually what you've already done. You need to gain awareness. You need to know that this is happening. A massive part of why this continues to be an issue is because when people think of something like racism, they think of overt racism. They think of people in hoods going around lynching black people. And that is definitely racism. But that is not the only form of racism. That is not the only way that it shows up. Bias is a form of racism. And if we're not aware that we have that bias, then we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we are consistently playing into it without really knowing it's happening. And when challenged on it, we get defensive and we say, well, I'm not racist. I'm not this. I'm not that. Because we're not actively doing the thing that uh, racists in our minds do. The first step is to be aware that we have biases and start to become aware of what those biases are. So that the next time it happens, we can challenge ourselves and we can allow ourselves to be challenged by the people around us without getting defensive. So the first step is awareness. The second step is challenging. It's understanding that this is likely to happen. It's going to happen so fast that you can't, don't really have a chance to intervene and stop it. But when it happens or when you see it happening, you need to be in a position to challenge it, to deal with it, to address it, to question, is this actually true or am I leaning on a shortcut? Am I allowing a shortcut to dictate the decision that I make in this moment about this other person? Or is there any real evidence related to this particular individual and the thoughts that I have about them? Allowing ourselves to challenge the views that we have is a critical component to navigating through them and coming out the other side better. The third step is to lengthen the decision-making timeline. This means that when we find ourselves playing into a bias before we send off the email, before we make the final decision, we need to add a little bit of time. And this time is added artificially. We might add a rule that just says, hey, we need to wait three days before we make a decision. That sounds silly, but what it does is it gives us time to challenge the view. It gives us time to challenge the decision, to question whether or not that thing is coming from a place of reality or a place of bias. It gives us the moment that we need to actually intervene and potentially make a, a different or better decision as a result of it. 
So we need to add time to the actual decision making process so that we don't give into shortcut occurs and we act immediately. That's how these things get reinforced and continue to happen. And then the last step that we need to take is to include other people. Now, this is a hard place to get to because if we are used to acting on bias, if we're used to making decisions based on the shortcuts that we've built for ourselves, then more than likely we are already surrounded by people that have have sort of passed that process, people that tend to look like us based on some socio or economic factors. So what do we do? Well, the first three steps allow us to slow down this process and challenge it. Through that process, we'll allow ourselves to start including more people that are diverse in their views and diverse in their experiences. Then from there, as we add those people We need to include them in the decision-making process. We need to allow ourselves to lean on their different views and their experiences, and we need to take those things seriously. We need to challenge our own biases about ourselves and the fact that we believe our decisions are right. We need to know that other people might actually have better ideas or different ideas that work out better in the long term, and we need to allow ourselves to live with that and deal with that and sit in that. And it might suck to begin with. It's okay to feel that pain, though. It's okay to be challenged. It's okay to not be the smartest person in the room. In fact, it might even be desirable. So with that said, I hope you are willing to challenge your biases. I hope you are willing to recognize your biases. And I hope that for the betterment of you and for the betterment of everyone around you, that you're able to make some meaningful progress in this process. Now, before you go, I have another podcast I recommend you check out. It's called Happy Healthy Human. And well, here's the description. Each week, join host Paul Levitin as he discusses a variety of topics ranging from mindset, personal development, mental and physical health, and anything and everything in between, all to help you become a happier, healthier human. What I love about the podcast, and I've met Paul in person, he does a phenomenal job explaining the concept, breaking it down and making it simple to understand. He is actually certified in a lot of the things that I talk about on this show. And so he's able to bring that perspective, one that is actually built in knowledge and experience to the conversation. So if you like this podcast, I think you're going to love his podcast. You can click the link in the description of this episode. And with that said, thank you so much for being here. I've been Greg Clunas, and remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.